How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Uh, a little bit drunk. Yeah. So take that as you will. <laughs> it's just happy occasions. It's happy hour every hour. We're all we're all trudging through this. I don't have to wear pants, and I can drink what I want when I want. That's the mm-hmm. that's the new rule. That's the American dream, right there. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? How are uh, you doing? I'm drinking Rain Total Body Fuel Lemon HDZ, as per my uh, Amazon subscription. I feel like I gave you one of these when we were still recording in person, and you're like, "This is my thing," <laughs> <laughs> and you've probably outbought true, me on actually. those for sure. That's actually correct because you you did start the subscriptions first. I, I was trying something else first. I think it was um, uh, I can't remember what it was now. It was a different can. It definitely wasn't lemon, but ultimately I did end up on. It was lemon. still rain, but just a different flavor. You're saying? Yeah, it was, was something. Blue else. raspberry. You're right. It was blue raspberry. It was like way too sweet, though. It was like drinking yeah. candy. Blue raspberry is interesting because it's a it's a made up flavor, but. Right. Certain ones go in like the, I imagine blue raspberry is more sour. And people are like, I imagine blue raspberry is really sweet. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is basically a religion. You made shit up and you're making really hard opinions about how it is, even though yeah. it doesn't matter. I will say, though, um, Jolly Rancher had a soda and they had different flavors. But their blue, ra- blue raspberry one was, as with all of their flavors, pure sugar. <laughs> and they carbonated sugar. You know and what I gave actually, it some food coloring. One thing that's adjacent to that that I do like though mm-hmm. is the um, the Jones soda. It's been a long time since I've had it, but we used to stock it for D anD D when we still ran that in person. Yeah. Uh, when I saw people, um, and their blue raspberry was actually pretty solid. I thought they just did kind of like cola root beer orange soda cream soda type things yeah they definitely had like they had a blue raspberry Wegmans would have it um and we would pick up a couple bottles of it for human consumption that's the way i do it (laughs) (laughs) not watering plants with it um did you ever try a big blue i did not i don't know if that was a redner specific brand Mm-hmm. But there was a small grocery store right near, near where I grew up. It has some other locations, though. I'm not sure how regional it is. But they had like these small bottles, like yay big. I'm going to gesture for the camera. But right. they also had like the big fucking two and a half liters to three liters. Oh, yeah. Like, the giant why things. would you ever need it to be that big? Because you can't drink from the bottle at that point because yeah. you look like a sociopath. <laughs> Bulk soda. But it was very blue and very sugary. And that was my vice as a kid. Yeah. It's not that good for you as it turns out. I mean, like, I don't know how much better it is that I'm like cutting out the sugar from most of my beverages because there's a lot of other things in this can that I'm looking at right now. Eh, but you're the not sugar's... a pregnant woman. You're fine. The sugar was always like definitely bad, right? Like, yeah, I drank a lot of soda growing up, and I don't think much of it was necessary. <laughs> I think the main thing with it is sugar's not inherently bad, but if you just have it sit on your teeth, mm-hmm. your dentist, you're like, I'm going to make so much money off you. Yeah. It's also like we t- we've talked about calories before, and like I would rather have something that's good if it's going to be high in calories. And like soda's a waste by comparison. You're like, yeah. if I was going to have a bunch of sugar, 
right? Like, it would be cooler pastry. to have a cookie, right? Yeah. Anything like that, yeah. Pastry, you went a little fancier than I did, but <laughs> a baked good, a baked good, yeah. Um, rather than just like empty, you know, orange soda, but that's fair. I don't know. We're just here to judge our listeners based off of their beverage choices. I gotta say, I really did enjoy eating. I think it was Little Debbie. They had like these raspberry rolls. It was similar to zebra cakes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't chocolate. It was like a raspberry filling. Hmm. That sounds pretty good. But a lot of times at that age, it was just consumption because I could. Right. But it was also a way to kind of avoid dealing with my emotions. Right. Which is great that you brought that up because this episode we're gonna do our best to avoid thinking about our emotions um and in order to accomplish that we're going to discuss them out loud in front of the world presumably i was gonna say millions of fans but yeah yeah (laughs) the world will keep it generic we'll broadcast this later We, we not to immediately take your perfect segue, which was like designed and tailored and like I know I was hammered I saw out. We're of... going as like let me lean into it nicely. <laughs> you like took the cloth and you like powdered it and you 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 started making the overcoat that would be a perfect uh, opportunity to change topics, but instead, um, I forgot what I was going to say. So yeah, let's just run with it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of what i was gonna say could have sworn it was funny i believe eh, probably you. you're, a fr- you're a funny person i always laugh when i look at you <laughs> that's, that's why a, we still a, have that's the a camera joke from my grandfather probably yeah so that's, that's a two-bit one from the old days that is a pretty good one all right i think we basically killed the segue enough that yeah, we can actually dead. step it's on dead. it uh so this episode you know just following up on video game breakdown which was the series that we ran and continue to run when we don't have other ideas or uh, we have a really good idea and you'll never know the difference. Yeah. It's just kind of a way to, instead of targeting a specific game, it's more of a broad topic for these types of elements in video games, how they apply, where they're successful, where they done fucked up. What it means to us as the gamers. Right. (laughs) <laughs> this is basically my life at this point. So, you know, I got to lean into it a little bit. Um, we don't usually do the uh, spoiler alerts much anymore because we trust you guys can read. But if you care about any sort of spoilers whatsoever, check the description. I probably went back and made a list of all the games we talked about, um, whether they were on our notes or not. Um, and be like, ah, thank you. And then send us a message being like, you preserved my spoiler dignity. I appreciate all of those warnings. That's it. Then we can uh, we can jump into it. <laughs> so basically, talking about emotions in games, how we felt about things, how important they are, whether they could be overvalued, whether they're undervalued. Yeah, and some emotional manipulation in video games and how that's used a little bit. Yeah, because it's not always a bad thing. Manipulation. Hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, so I actually stole the top spot by typing something up as we were talking about other things to mm-hmm. prepare for this. And I put Legend of Zelda up here, which was because I realized we kind of underrepresented um, 
childlike wonder. And that's probably what that series most means to me emotionally. Like, um, I still remember as a kid when I got the N64 and I was like, oh man, there's all these cool games. And we had like GoldenEye, which my parents weren't super hot on. We had um, Mario Kart, which was awesome. We had uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And Ocarina of Time was just like mind blowing to me as a young teen. I was just like, I just entered Hyrule Field and I could go anywhere. What is this? Yeah, it was kind of like a a whole big ordeal at the time because it was an adventure. And granted, growing up as a kid, kids are fucking dumb. They have a very narrow view of the world. Not that I wanted to talk, but (laughs) you don't know about so many things that are out there and what exists. So it it serves as a kind of gateway into fantasy and seeing things in a kind of larger than life scale, a whole nother world with new elements, magic possibilities, characters. It's, it's basically just fantasy, but it's kind of like your first entry into that escapism. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. This is a whole thing. Somebody thought of this and then made it into reality versus modeling it off of, you mentioned golden eye. Mm-hmm. people are familiar with guns and combat right. and like spy movies right we're americans <laughs> we, we way, like, there are day. fantasy movies that have had yielded a similar effect yeah but being able to live that out as a kid especially on the high def polygons of n64 at the time too mm-hmm. yeah legend of zelda was like um i had no idea what was going to happen next and this was back then when you're like, oh, if I wanted cheat codes or something like that, I found them on like Cheat Code Central and then went to the library and I printed out a piece of paper and I brought that home. Like, that's what reality was like, you know, back then, right? Um, and I think that sense of wonder that wasn't tied to an in-depth analysis of mechanics that kind of happens now. Like, we talk about games and we like break them down. We're just like, oh, yeah, the, the gameplay is great. The graphics are great. Uh, we feel like some of the character interaction could have been a bit better, whatever. Like, we, we do that now. But as a kid, I would have just, like, stared blankly at someone who was trying to explain all of those concepts to me mm-hmm. and been like, but it's fun. <laughs> and I want to play it now. And you're standing in front of the TV. What are you doing? Yeah, you I, know. I get that. Um, it's more complicated now. And I think uh, one of the the great surprises for me was playing breath of the wild recently and being like, Oh snap, that still exists. Like that was, was it just like the openness and the possibilities kind of mixed with the nostalgia of Zelda as a series? Just like, I mean, it was clearly what they were going for with that game, that sense of, uh, wonder and just go off and explore something, discover the unknown and figure it out. Um, and trying to do it in the least gamified sense that you can. Um, and yeah, that is in like rigid structure. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to explain a whole bunch of things to you. There's not even like necessarily systems for figuring it all out. And we're just going to tutorial those systems. You just tried a couple things and holy crap, it works, you know, like, and those discoveries are all useful in the game. Um, and I don't know. I just I really like that. I think Legend of Zelda is 
emblematic of that sense of of wonderment and that's one of the emotions of playing games wonder <laughs> wonder well and that just appears you know in, in a slot it's like the uh what is it the um family feud board it's like <laughs> is wonder up on the board <laughs> ding, ding, 10 respondents <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah for me I don't usually have too many wonder moments. I mean, I'm sure as a kid, I did have a lot of things I was experiencing for the first time being like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but in more recent adult years, I'm trying to think, um, Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. uh, were really cool for me because it was uh, an immersive sim, but yeah. I hadn't really had much experience in that. And those were really good entries for me at that time. Um Undertale also kind of broke genre from what I was used to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, obviously it's going to be in this list anyway. Oh, yeah. But like, like it has that huge emotional tie in as well. So, but as far as sense of wonder, I think those both count mm-hmm. because it was something new and impressive. And then I was emotionally invested in those games. So, like, stepping into Undertale for a bit, what other kinds of emotions did you really get from that experience because we both played this roughly at the same time you basically made me play it and i made a lot of people play it i don't want to make you seem like you're the only victim Um, i subjected a lot of people to it because i liked it that much right i wanted other people to feel the same hopefully but you you was it just the sense of wonder you kind of got out of that or did you experience other other uh emotions while that buzzword there it is um no for me it's kind of the whole gambit Mm -hmm. so context a little bit initially when i was playing this game i was not in the best frame of mind i had some shit going on at the time um so i was initially going through the tutorial (laughs) (laughs) sequence and going through that stuff and then when you have tutorial fight she kind of stops attacking you at a point and you see like her expression change because she doesn't want to actually hurt you and I want to hurt her. But you were kind of at this impasse and you thought like this has to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, So like after that, I think I just started crying a little bit, not like bawling, but like tears were just going. I was like, yeah, fuck. And then it's like Undertale. I'm like, oh, is that the game? No, it kept going. <laughs> and then two minutes after, you meet Sans. Sans? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. You meet, you meet him, and then he um, gives you the... I forget what it's called. The the handshake that buzzes. Jesus yeah, he's Christ. got a, yeah, the hand buzzer thing. Uh, I don't know if there's a proper noun for that. Write in if you know what the proper noun for a hand buzzer is. Like I said, I'm a little bit t- uh, tipsy still. But <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> he pranks you, right? Yeah. And then it's immediately no, it's like the whoopee cushion. And it's like okay. immediately the whoopee cushion in the hand. Immediately yeah. changes into like haha lighthearted. And I started Music laughing. Changes. Yeah. Um and I was like at an emotionally vulnerable state. So I was able to switch between being very sad to having that openness of emotion switch to levity yeah. at that moment, which I thought was really cool. And then as the game progresses, they're other more tense moments or mm-hmm. you feel victorious or you kind of feel with characters as these events are happening because yeah. it kind of directs you in a way to feel a certain way towards 
a character, which kind of leads you into those interactions. Right. There's a lot of very personable characters in Undertale where you can you can empathize with them and you want to see. You want to experience the story with them, which is really nice. Um, and you, you bring up a good point, like, of the circumstance outside of the game largely impacting your experiences in the game. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you're saying, an emotionally raw time in your life, um, which just breaks down a lot of those walls and you can experience games in ways that you otherwise couldn't. So like the opposite for that for me is like sometimes if I feel like I have, if I had to play a game and there should be an emotional impact or there normally would be, but I'm in a state where I'm just like, ah, I absolutely have to play this. You know, I don't really want to, I've got something else going on. It's distracting me. I'm worried, whatever, like that insulates you from, emotional experiences you might be able to experience in that same game. Um, I feel like certain things come at specific times. Mm -hmm. So even if you think about people who you met in your life, um, let's say you shifted your meeting of them a couple of years, one way or the other, they might not have had the same impact on your life. Oh yeah. Maybe you're like, that's not the type of person I associate with now, but like they were fun back in high school or, I couldn't think of another example, but I'm sure yeah. there are others. I I mean, I think about that for myself sometimes. Like if I went back and talked to myself at 14 or 13 or 12 or 15 or 16 or 17, like would I even be able to tolerate the kind of person that I was? And I'm not sure the answer is yes. Like I've no, changed so much since then. It's been 10 years yeah, <laughs> at least. Um no, I do think you change a lot in those times and you grow as an individual and have more emotional depth and capacity as a human being. Mm-hmm. So if I were to do certain things now, I'm sure it wouldn't have the same impact because yeah. I'm old and jaded. Um, <laughs> but for the things that happened when they happened, I'm glad that I can appreciate them as I did. In the same way, I look forward to being able to appreciate things that come out as i hopefully uh get my mental state back to being able to appreciate that sense of wonder or being more open emotionally just let stuff hit you and feel it right instead of being like that's a bad emotion get it out (laughs) no i i i definitely get that i mean maybe not always you can't live your life always raw some people Oh my god! For a long time, and that's 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 draining. That's a lot of stress and pain. But also, please stop texting me. Right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's. I think it's a good methodology to not necessarily live with your heart on your sleeve, Mm -hmm. like be an open book, be willing to share and communicate with people, but at the same time, keep some shit in check a little bit. Yeah. It's uh, it's important to, I mean, I think taking a moment to just kind of, one of the problems I had when I was really young or younger was I would internalize everything. And I think a lot of teenagers do that, right? Like 100%, yeah. take everything to heart, feel everything, um, but not really break out of myself and experience the world and interact with other people in meaningful ways. Um, and I think that's, you know, 
it's something that's really important to be able to establish your baseline. So it's not just like you have some ego, you have an ID, you're not, or id, you don't have like, I thought you, you meant like a word. form of ID. Not right, yeah, have, have an ID, fake or not. Um, but I think, you know, big life events can shake that structure of ourselves that we build up. Um, and on that kind of uncertain ground, that's where, you know, you feel really emotional naturally, as one would yeah. expect. When you're not sure what the world's really like. But, you know, I think it works out in the end. So we, we talked about Undertale a little bit in my sense <laughs> yeah. of various emotions. Um, what is a game for you where you kind of started? You actually, you had the feels. I had the feels. Like uh, something that caught you off guard and you maybe started to well up or you felt a sense of like a pang in your stomach. Gotcha. Um, there's a lot of good entries on this list and maybe not cover all of them. I'm going to, I'm going to subvert. Uh, I'm going to go to the subversion real quick here. Um, not so much uh, welling up of feels as much as kind of shock, but I'm going to go to Call of Duty, which I added on the list. I was like, I know I'm going to hit it, but specifically Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And full disclosure, I don't really play Call of Duty anymore. The last one I played was like Black Ops, which was after Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, but I remember, uh, did you play through the single player campaign for COD 4? I played some Modern Warfare 2 back in the day. Okay. I might have done some 4 multiplayer here or there, but that's about it. But there is, um, so the, the moment I'm, I'm thinking of is, uh, you kind of switch perspectives between U.S. forces and, um, the British forces. Uh, a couple times mm-hmm. and you end up in like Afghanistan light. I don't think like they have a real country there. Uh, Somewhere in the in, uh, Middle East. The Middle East. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, fake, fake country Stan. And um, uh, you're like investigating a possible nuclear threat and you're like, all right, going through, do the mission, whatever, whatever. Um, and then you hear over the radio, there needs to be an evacuation. You know, like, sure, whatever, get on the helicopter. And this is still just shooting guys, right? It's Call of Duty. You're just shooting guys. Nobody cares. Uh, and then there's a massive explosion as a, a nuke is detonated in the city. And your helicopter goes down. And you're like, oh, that's unfortunate. But you wake up and your guy like can like drag himself out of the helicopter. And you can try to stand up. And the game's got, like, you know the the Call of Duty health aura that they made really popular? Where it's like, oh, there was right across around the sides of the screen. You know you're hurt, right? Yeah. You haven't healed. And you're like, all right, well, we'll just try to get my way out of here. And um, after trying to stand up, eventually your guy just dies. He'll just fall to the ground and die. And you can accelerate the process by trying to jump a bunch repeatedly, which is kind of hilarious. But um, if you try to conserve your health and like just crawl out doesn't matter you always die there and then it's that just zooms out to like satellite view and it's like uh has your character your person's name and they're just like kia and then goes back to the british forces and it could have just been because i was still like an impressionable teenager but i was like holy crap my guy is 
dead. Like they played through the whole experience of my guy dying. And up until the very end, I still thought, you know, like, no, he has a chance. Is that just, I assume it's because in most shooting games or FPS, it's like, oh, you died? You'll respawn in three seconds. And it's yeah, kind of or just you, like a mechanic of the game and doesn't really have the weight of murdering people. Yeah. It's or you're the action hero. You don't expect that canonically you're gonna just die. And that's that's a trope I know that they've subverted or not subverted, they've probably done to death in games after that. I think that your protagonist actually is betrayed and killed several times across the rest of the series, but like that first time it happened, I was just like, holy crap. And I had to sit back. That's the emotion of uh, shock, which I don't usually get in games outside of like a scary sense. Um, so I'm giving points to Call of Duty for that. Um, and those are the only points I ever give them. Thank you for not answering my question. <laughs> Sake, Activision Blizzard. <laughs> there you go. Was that, was that your question? <laughs> I mean, sure. a pit of pit of the stomach sort of game or experience. What is something that kind of struck you emotionally? I mean, if that was Call of Duty for you, that instance, that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, it was. I, now it wouldn't be but probably the combination of playing through it as like a teenager yeah, and being completely subverted. Um, I imagine it's similar for like what happened with final fantasy, right? For, for seven, for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, looking back when I was playing that at one of the, this probably at least the second CD mm-hmm. is what we <laughs> right. back in the day. Um, How many floppy disks is this? I feel like as it was happening, um, we probably had like some kid over at our house. Because like yeah. a kid, like maybe you're watching like a neighbor's kid or like somebody from your church. It's like, oh, hey, can you watch my kids in the afternoon? You're like, we all live close enough by. Fuck, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Did you just watch other people's kids? Like as, uh, as I a didn't. kid? Yeah. I was playing video. Oh, okay. Your family was watching their kids. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Okay. Um, so, like, my mom and this kid were, like, in the basement, and um, I think, like, the whole scene with Aerith happened mm-hmm. where she gets stabbed and, like, oh, why'd I give her any items? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, taking it in and getting a little bit emotional. And this kid just, like, making a rack in the background. I remember being upset. I'm like, could you not? <laughs> right. I'm having a moment here. Yeah. Like I was, I was getting deep in the feels, and it was just completely shaking me out of that. And I was like, I want this to sit a little bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it's um actually something I sometimes when I start playing a game now, I'll just go social uh, networking quiet. Like I'll like close Discord or whatever, and then like turn off my other monitors, and so I just have the one and just go immersed in it. And I think being deprived of that experience for some of those games where there's dramatic moments happening is, uh, it's like, it's a tragedy. You really should experience some of that as immersed as you can. It's weird for getting messages. Maybe they'll say like, 
You seen this guy's dick on Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> right? It looks like weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Another yeah, we one should leave those groups. <laughs> recent-ish memory, and eventually we will have a fucking episode on it, so help me God, Yeah, is The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Because I would just... Oh, my so gosh, For yeah. me, my PlayStation is always separate from my computer. My computer is where I'll kind of sit and do most things and spend most of my day. Um, my health's doing great. Thanks for asking. But mm-hmm. the, compu- the PS4 is always every in a separate time, room. <laughs> and <laughs> um, separate TV. So it's kind of like my gaming away from gaming. Mm-hmm. So I don't do it as often because I feel disconnected from everybody else who is online and talking about shit. Yeah. But at the time, like I was playing my living room in the beanbag and I go through the intro sequence, which is like half an hour. And you're kind of playing as the character as like the whole zombie outbreak happens. Mm-hmm. And then like your daughter gets killed. Yeah. And then it goes into like, hey, this is going to be the game. You're like, oh, shit. So you now yeah. feel the weight of the zombie apocalypse. Like you've already lost somebody close to you who even in just that half an hour, you, you felt attached to that character. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah. Yeeted away. Don't you um? Do you play as the daughter? You do for the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, initially you just kind of hear noises and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're walking around sluggishly in your PJs, going like, "Is that at work? What's going on?" Yeah, that was an accidental yeah. yawn, but it worked. Okay, I I thought I was like, "Dang, Dave's an actor." No, uh, um, yeah, and they really do. They really do play up the attachment between father and daughter. Like, there's a gift exchange. I think like she gives him a birthday gift or something. Yeah, she gets him a watch. Mm-hmm. And but- it's basically you talked about how emotional manipulation is going to be one of the topics brought up here. There's a lot of that in the beginning chapter yeah, of the last one. Hundred percent. But they're just priming the pump. They're just like you know the emotion starter on your emotion ignition. And you're like, why are you doing that so much? And you're like, it's probably, they're like, it's probably fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it helps for things in the long run because you care about the characters who were there and you're always worried. Like you've seen them take away somebody just like mm-hmm. that. That's the snap coming up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you're worried that they're going to do it for other people. Right, you're like, oh, Joel and Ellie are like these missing puzzle pieces of a family. I want this mm-hmm. to work. I want them to be okay. So when you have those other sequences later, um, it's just heightened because there's a risk associated with it. Right, and you have the fear of loss. The writers have already shown themselves semi-sadistic and willing to hurt you emotionally. So perhaps they would do it again, and that definitely. That carries through through the game. It yeah. contextualizes their relationship and everything. I mean, I don't want to do the Last of Us episode right now, but <laughs> this is a good example. This is a really no, good it's it's really solid. Um, I want to I want to credit you in front of our listeners. That wasn't even on the notes. We didn't even have the Last of Us. Dave, I'm just, not even looking at the notes, motherfucker. You're just coming up with this stuff on the fly. Um, but I mean, like that yeah. for me has been like a more in recent years emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, some of these things on here in our list, like, have elements. Yeah. But none of these on this list hit me in the same way. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, kind of just making the COD 4 reference not seem as good now. 
<laughs> That's so why I did it. It's just you know. <laughs> I'm gonna follow up with um another one that, that actually was impactful for me, and I'm fairly certain it was impactful for you, which was uh, among super giant games, they have a lot of emotional moments and characters, and they know how to write stories that are emotionally impactful. Yeah. And Darren Korb is a really good musician. <laughs> yeah, shout out uh, Darren. I went to one of your panels. Your music's fucking dope and uh you're great. Thanks. Friend of the show, Darren Korb. Um man, I have, I, I have I his autograph so. on a thing. We should uh we should invite him for one of these episodes. Just be like, hey, we're Want gonna to talk Darren? about Yeah, if you could just text him real quick. Like I've thought that. about uh in the past about having a guest like a quote unquote celebrity guest or you know someone related to the actual gaming industry and not like just a leech on it like we are i would um, have a mild <laughs> panic attack <laughs> right, exactly right and then i think about it i'm like how best do i portray the podcast uh dishonestly in order to get one of these people actually on right like if they ask what our listenership is do i tell them real numbers <laughs> i would be like hey we talk about video games you're associated to video games something leads me to believe you have a decent amount of free time right now <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true but uh, in particular super giant games uh, bastion the og the original kind of um i mean these are one of the developers that just came out the gate running and delivered a home run product. Um, and Bastion's really awesome. I probably, it's one of the ones I'm less likely to go back and just replay for fun. But in particular, there's one really emotional moment where um, it's a choice to carry the guy that betrayed you um, out or use your super weapon because you've got like, I don't know, the golden gauntlets going back to legend of zelda and you have what is it like a huge totem pole you can thwap people with it's, it's a big step a, it's a many it's a log. Played it, so. i'm pretty sure it's a log but it's like uh, it's ridiculously strong but you can choose to forego that and carry this guy who betrayed you out back home um and in the sequence uh these d- enemies uh, will shoot at you until your health is almost completely out and then they'll stop. They just respect you for carrying this guy out and sacrificing yourself potentially to do it. Um, and the music with it. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So again, lose context for people who haven't played Bastion. There's a character called Sia or something, mm-hmm. but she has a theme, which is, um, very beautiful son by Ashley Barrett. And then mm-hmm. there's another theme called Coming Home, which is by Darren Korb. Mm-hmm. And then I think her theme's called Setting Sail. But yeah. basically, they mash those songs together to yeah. be at the same time. And it's so beautiful and hopeful and somber. But it just fits that moment so well. So like that was another moment in gaming where I was like, Oh shit! Yeah, and it hit me pretty hard. It's it's so good. I think not to um, analyze it too much, but that's literally what we're doing. So to analyze it too much, 
Um, part of the impact is if these are very tailored experiences, you can have an emotional experience in a game that's freeform, sandboxy, something like that, I think. But I couldn't think of any examples for it. This is very explicitly the only thing you can do is carry this guy out and get shot until you're almost dead and they stop shooting you. But it allows you to take a step back from just a bunch of inputs with the controller and think about what's happening on the screen a little bit more and appreciate yeah. the moment. And I think that's that's really that's really awesome for uh, for some of this. I will say though, if that moment didn't have music, because mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll associate certain events with music because music usually accompanies the feeling. Depending right. if you have like an upbeat tune, maybe thinking, "Oh, it's an upbeat section." Mm-hmm. Um, our brains are just wired that way to be like, "Oh, I associate this with this." Mm-hmm. It connects. It makes sense. Um, silence can be used very well in mediums to convey something like more impactfully. Yeah, but, I think it's unnerving more than yeah. anything. Silence is unnerving. I've been watching a lot of Neon Genesis Evangelion recently on Netflix because yeah, I have never seen it until now. And <laughs> even though it's not my favorite thing in the world, it's an older anime, I do notice there are a fuck ton of like once per episode they'll have a scene and they'll either like replay something to kind of drive home impact or they'll leave it sit for like 40 seconds Mm -hmm. that's an old anime so i don't care if i spoil anything or jacob put it in the list but there's a point (laughs) where right now the guy in the mecca is like holding somebody else and he doesn't want to kill him but he is a threat and he needs to so there's like 35 seconds of him just like static picture no animation of him just holding the guy there's no dialogue no music and then it cuts to black and you hear like the because he he crushes them yeah but like you know with that time like there's mental deliberation there is hesitation Mm -hmm. because the character has reservations about his actions he has doubts yeah that's something I appreciate more, I think, as I grow older, is when media is willing to slow down the Let pace. It. Yeah, just to make you a little bit uncomfortable, right? You're like, man, this scene is... When would, when did they last do a cut, right? Like, we're, we're sitting here just watching this, making me real uncomfortable. I appreciate that. Yeah. I much prefer those Westworld Season 1 vibes to... Westworld season three. <laughs> am I gonna have? Am I gonna have to put Westworld in here too? No, <laughs> no. no? okay. That was an aside <laughs> joke for current events. Um, oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, uh, I think honestly, I don't want to go. Yeah, you know, I'll probably leave Pyre, but I will spoil literally the end of Transistor because that was another big one for me. While we're on pain, yeah. Um, the abridged description of what's going on is uh, the protagonist Red has her boyfriend trapped in the transistor which is an electronic sword and you get to the end of it 
and she basically has the power to recreate the world that's been destroyed by the process, which is the antagonist force, I guess. Um, Accurate. And so she starts like repainting the world basically with a transistor and the power she has. Um, and she gets partially through it, paints a couple areas essentially. And the voice in the transistor is like encouraging her. It's like, yeah, we've done this. Like we got this. And then she stops. And, uh, she basically gives up more or less and chooses to be with the person she loves by stabbing herself with a transistor and having her consciousness absorbed into it. Yeah. Basically there, like as much as she would have recreated of the physical world, he was not a part of that anymore. Yeah. So she couldn't bring that back. And like, this is one of those moments where I, I've talked to people who didn't weren't impacted as much by it as I was, but there's something about um, the unfulfilled quest kind of, it's like you, you reach the goal at the end and you realize that not to like get depressing, depressing, but it's like you reach the goal at the end and you realize that it wasn't worth it or it's not what you really wanted. And that's what the ending of Transistor was for me. Um, not in that I didn't want the story to end that way. I thought it was actually a really satisfying conclusion. No, it definitely is. But I know what you mean. Like it's it subverts the expectations a little bit of the hero's journey, where somebody goes on yeah. a quest, achieves their goals, and at the end, everybody's happy. Um, I have to tangent back to this because of what you said. Mm-hmm. But going back to Last of Us, right? I will try and keep it vague because I think everybody should play this on their own. But the, <laughs> well, they they'll get a notice for it at least. <laughs> I'll still yeah. hold off. But the ending for that I loved so much because mm-hmm. it wasn't a straightforward happy ending. Yeah, there are consequences for actions, and essentially what was done was like a selfish thing which did not benefit a lot of people yeah. but i understood the motivation of the character um it was just cool to see that play out yeah because it it fit the game mm-hmm. like if they would have just said like hey it ends right here would have been like okay that makes sense but it wouldn't have been the same right i think you, you talked about it fitting the game that's part of the the great accomplishment I think for a game like transistor is if you look at just the ending, you're like, Oh, you mean Romeo and Juliet, right? It's just, just Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah. It's an easy trip. That's exactly, that's exactly correct. But not knowing that it ends that way and then having a different goal being presented in front of you for the entire game and having that goal eroded by every interaction between red and Uh, the consciousness and the transistor it's like to yourself it can erode your pursuit of that goal right it's just like you understand it fully contextualizes her choice at the end which is i think what makes it really beautiful and if you've had something like something really disappointing happen in life or some tragedy or something like that i think that it makes it satisfying in a way that there's a story out there that's like 
sometimes a happy ending just isn't the plausible outcome. But there's still things to like look forward to. Yeah. Um, and those and things are depressed. always going to have more impact for me because it's an accomplice to the game in the story mm-hmm. rather than this is kind of the focus of the game. Yeah. Because I know there's a pretty obvious delineation between these are games which have emotional elements, like some of the ones you've mentioned, versus mm-hmm. this is an emotional game. And they want the experience to be kind of like the impact of that emotional roller coaster. So the game itself might take certain hits. Yeah. My easy target's gonna be Gris. Gris is a beautiful game and it has a nice loosely inferred story about mm-hmm. depression. But mechanically it sucks dick. It sucks a whole <laughs> big bag of dick. It's really really basic platforming mm-hmm. um so for me i would almost rather watch that as like a short film mm-hmm. than add like an interactable but not that exciting gameplay aspect to it because now i feel right. like i'm just doing the action to drive forward the story so i can see little snippets of what happens right and i mean that's that's an entire you know, tag and steam, right? Like walking simulator. Admittedly, Gris isn't like walking simulator because usually it's like 3D walking simulators. But um, sometimes a game just would work better as a visual novel. Um, and you don't have to throw a bunch of semi-satisfying like, or unsatisfying mechanics around that shell. Um, if you have a good idea and it doesn't mesh with game design then implement the good idea in some other way right <laughs> like yeah like i have this great erotic rock opera i'm working on mm-hmm, but it's gonna yeah. make a really shitty flip book that's all i'm saying um, <laughs> i just imagine you you just paint every scene on rocks <laughs> just, <laughs> there you go it's a rock opera um yeah there's well, there's a, a lot sorry <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, as usual, sometimes we take way more notes than we need. Um, another one I, I actually do want to hit is uh, is Fury, which we've done an episode on. And Did you we? guys are dedicated listeners. Yeah, I know. Our best way episode. Back. It had or, the most edits out of anything. Yeah, and to yeah. its credit, I really did like that. Those are good edits. It was like a Saturday afternoon of just editing it. But... Um, this was another game where, on your recommendation, I picked it up. I don't know why you keep recommending emotional games to me, but hmm. <laughs> um, let down your walls, Jacob. <laughs> but I think that like the gameplay in Fury is very solid. Um, but honestly, it's not super remarkable. It's mostly you know attacks and dodging. It's like a, and some bullet hell aspects. Um, but the story and the world building and the setting is just really, it's motivating. And with the music amping you up, oh my God, like so it's good. just, it's, it's all building to a crescendo and the crescendo is, uh, either you're, you're the antagonist. Good job. <laughs> you know, um, but like, uh, do you remember 
what you were feeling like the first time you encountered the beat. I was in it to win it at that point, Jacob. I'm not the girl at the end. Um, Yeah. I remember thinking she was really weak. Um, And rightly (laughs) so. She's not really meant to fight, which is why you don't actually fight her. She's just kind of evading and trying Mm -hmm. to set up like these traps and like their final weapon. They're kind Mm -hmm. of fail safe measures. And she's the last one too. Mm -hmm. She was placed after every other gatekeeper. Because they're just like, yeah, we probably shouldn't put the girl in the front. Like, just the little girl who just somehow convinced someone that she should be one of the guardians, right? Yeah. It's it's a home run. Sometimes games have, like, home runs where it's like, all right, now that you've got all your powers and you've accomplished all the hard things, here's just you flexing, right? It's just like... This is you at the end smashing your way through here, but it's a home run against a little girl who doesn't want to die. <laughs> and you're like, uh, yeah, uh, it's very manipulative too. We talked about emotional manipulation. Pretty much all of her lines there are like, you don't have to be this way. Uh, please hold my hand. Things like that. You're just like, okay, yeah, no, I feel bad. I understand. I think guilt is pretty rare end games it's rare to actually feel guilt and fury was one of those games that made me feel guilty well yeah Um, early on the first couple of gatekeepers don't really have they're like hey fuck you get back in your cage you're like fuck you right kick their ass but then as you go and you have i'm gonna forget their names but the Mm -hmm. knight guy yeah who has a son and he's like i have to do this to I'll let you look that up if you want. Yeah, I'm um, going to. But he tells his son, he's like, It is the hand. Even though it might be like scary, it's like, I can't just do nothing. Like, this is for the good of everybody for me to try and stop him here. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to the angel lady, really yeah. great with names tonight. The um, song. She essentially says, like, Hey, like, you can have like a peaceful life here. You don't need to keep going. I'll take mm-hmm. care of you. We'll be friends. Right? Yeah. And you're like, mm, I'm going to keep going. Or you could have left there, stayed there, and had a, an yeah. actual ending. Um, Hidden ending. And yeah, you do start to feel regret because your character doesn't really express anything, doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. We see these other people who are going against your your gamified course, the straight line. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you do start to feel bad. Yeah. It's it's the, the grim resolve of this afro samurai protagonist um it's yeah i and i like i like the pacing of the game to make you feel that way as you go up against some people where you're like this guy doesn't strictly seem evil but he's clearly doing bad stuff and he's he's the gatekeeper he's a jailer i'm the good guy and then eventually you're like okay i just killed the guy's dad a kid's dad <laughs> you're like okay i just killed a lady who offered to stay with me and not like and end the havoc okay that's bad and then it culminates you know like all right i killed a little girl probably not the best um and they're all right you are the end yeah um and i don't know i that's the reason i love that game so much it's the reason i spent so much time in the edit it was just the emotional impact of holy crap that ost so good um in conjunction with the events in the game 
Yeah, I can't think of another example off the top of my head that uh, as I move the mic, was I lean back? Right. Um, <laughs> what other games actually make you feel guilty for actions outside of one misleading item or two? I can think of an example, but I haven't played it, so I can't speak too much on it, and that is uh, this war of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I can think of the example for this war of mine, actually. Go ahead. Uh, so in this war of mine, you have to do salvaging and scavenging and protect your survivors. And it's like Ukraine or something like that. doesn't really matter. Um, and you are eventually you find a house that has a bunch of food in it. There's like a lot of food and supplies and things. And um, before you can like loot everything, this like old couple comes out. And it's like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? And you can totally just leave, you know, at that moment. Um, and if, you know, if you leave, you always have the option to come back and steal all of their stuff. And they don't fight you. They just beg you not to do that. And if you steal all of their stuff after a couple of days in the game, they die because they don't have any food. Yeah. Is that the example you're thinking yeah, of? That's yeah. <laughs> the one thing I've heard about. Um... Yeah, it's it's a it's a make you feel bad game. Um, to a lesser extent, I think The Witcher also does that, but it's not always guilt. It kind of just drives home that in a grim world, winners are few and far between. It's, just different stages of loss. <laughs> yeah, that just seems like an overall dark context. But the other great example for emotional manipulation is anything by Squint's Eyes. Hmm. Why don't I forget the name of the studio? People who do Wolf Among Us and Walking Dead. Yeah, Telltale Games. Telltale. Rest in peace. Yeah, had some good stuff. Um, but Wolf Among Us was great for me. Because you have this like, yeah. really cool stylized world and stuff's going on. But every time you are kind of forced to take an action, you are presented with like, hey, here's 80% of this information. This guy's doing some shitty stuff. Isn't he a shitty guy? You're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's kind of shitty. Shouldn't you punish him for being shitty? You're like, yeah. And then like, <laughs> some, whatever you do, whatever you choose, it always ends up being like so much more drastic than you had planned. Yeah. Like in a bar fight with a guy, we're both transformed and fighting werebear versus were shark, and you have the option to like attack his arm or something. So I did, uh -huh. but it took off his arm. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of the game, the guy was really salty about not having an arm. It's not like that event happens and it's kind of in a bubble. It's like, yeah. hey, we're going to keep reminding you of the choices you've made throughout <laughs> the game and the chapters. And that's something that's it's cool in a design sense, mm -hmm. but you always feel like you can't win. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's not like you're going through trying to make evil, awful decisions. You're just right. trying to play the game and do what seems best in the moment. But there's always just these huge repercussions that come back. I think, like, I actually really enjoyed Wolf Among Us. It's probably my favorite of their interactive games. Most games are interactive, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. And um, part of that is because Big B is 
you control him. He's the protagonist. But he's also a werewolf. Like, he has... He is the monster, yeah. right? Is it similar kind of thing to, to uh, Fury? But it's... Um, they do sabotage it a bit with that. You're always wrong, regardless of what choice you make. Uh, fake choice, almost. Um, even if there are impacts, it's always like, but you are the bad guy, so you don't have the choice to choose to be the good guy. It's it's the opposite of what usually plagues RPGs and things like that, hero syndrome, where you're like, I want to just not spend 20 minutes finding this lady's cat in this tree. But the game's like, but you're the hero. Go do that, right? Um, Was that a Shogo reference? I don't know. It could be. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that either. If there's an actual choice and actual consequences, then I think that has a, a more of an impact. Actually, something you mentioned that uh, we didn't talk about a consequence for in, in Bioshock, in original Bioshock, um, you have do you have a choice? You have a choice to harvest or save the little sisters. And I've never met someone who harvested the little sisters that I I would associate with in real life, right? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Where's <is> this going? <laughs> <laughs> but like, did you have? Did that was that an impactful moment at all for you? Did you develop uh, paternal? instincts over the course of Bioshock because I definitely did at least by two I mean a bit to a degree because uh, I saw the little sisters as kids uh, they were just kind of like caught up in some decently fucked up shit mm-hmm. um, and I didn't really see them as enemies so I didn't think like I needed it to kill them mm-hmm. so I think I went the route of saving them most times I'm sure I had a playthrough where I was just like Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, more so I saw like big daddies as possible allies and little Mm -hmm. sisters as friends. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely, I couldn't bring myself to harvest them at all in my first playthrough, probably second playthrough. Eventually, I picked the option on accident and saw the animation for it. And I'm just like, all right, well, I hate myself. (laughs) Um, And uh, number two, no one is ever going to play Bioshock 2. I'll put it on the list as a spoiler too, but they really ramp that up. It's That's most of the moral decision is how you treat other people. <laughs> and the little sisters are a big part of it. Um, I didn't get true paternal syndrome until uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, that's true. That is even though like, she's an NPC who cannot die you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about like protecting her like some fucking fable bullshit yeah god i hated that mission mm-hmm. um but between the interactions you start to care about her and want to protect her so like once she gets taken you're like where are they where is rachel <laughs> yeah exactly and you're going all out. I have a particular set of skills <laughs> no i agree with that entirely it's it's much more impactful when you have to when you interact with her as much as you do when you learn more of her mannerisms, and she's escorting you through the game as much as you are escorting her. <laughs> yeah, I didn't so charge like, you any want, money. Booker? She didn't charge me any money. We just figured it'd be about even. She does give you a lot of money though over the course of the game. Booker, catch! 
Yeah. Oh, I saw you approached a vending machine. Let me just pull this comic. Did you want this bag of money from the trash? (laughs) 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 Or you ran out of ammo. It's like, you want a full sniper rifle I just generated magically? Like, yeah, I'll take it. Sure. Why not? Might as well. (laughs) I hope that (laughs) this is going to be me in my old age. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, like, want things, you know, like a barrel of guns. I'm going to shout, Elizabeth! From my deathbed. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh, dementia is is gonna go be rough on us with oh some my of the God, yeah. growing up on the internet. <laughs> oh boy, those will be fun times. Yeah. Any final thoughts towards emotional games or emotion in video games? Hmm. Certain things to avoid for developers, or certain things to possibly keep in mind for designing good good games. Yeah, I think, I think like you you touched on it a little bit with Chris, but um, aiming just for emotional impact is a very risky path if you're going down game development. Um, and you shouldn't if you're going to be manipulative about it. You kind of need to earn it by also having good gameplay. The Last of Us has amazing gameplay, and they justify their manipulation. Um, similar deal with fury it if it was just you know the characters would be cool but the gameplay is also really good um if it's just a walking simulator and the story is not that good and you're just trying to be like hey here's the reason you should be invested you should be invested because x is not good storytelling um here's x here's the story around x here's x's impact and then person gets invested that's the right way to do it um so that's super vague but (laughs) basically justify your choices in games and don't lean don't depend on it too much if someone if someone can play through your game and be like uh if they didn't have an emotional experience with it um if that determines whether the game's good or not, then the game's not good, in my in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, yeah. <laughs> I might reiterate or rephrase something here briefly, but yeah. in general, I like to follow this principle of don't have something just for the sake of having it. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate when they put romance subplots in movies oh or gosh. shows yeah and it doesn't lend itself to the story um mm. and certain animes i like this because what was it uh jesus christ my memory has gone to shit that's fair future diaries all right mm. so there is a lot of relationship stuff going on in there and emotional ties so it's more impactful when characters are killing each other off yeah um because they have to have resolve for their motivations and that makes more sense than uh uh, we thought it'd be interesting if these two people had a crush on each other and maybe kissed Mm. and held hands cool i don't want that kind of thing i want something that's gonna drive a narrative i want to see character development i want to see stuff progress i want it to be relatable and understandable and if you're just like this girl is cute Mm-hmm. okay cool like it's yeah it's, it's kind it's of the around. lowest it's form not, 
of characterization. I'm not getting anything from it, you know? Yeah. But I like stuff that later I can be like, oh, hey, Dave, how was that game? Like, that was good. At some point on a Steam sale, you should check it out, honestly. Yeah. This is how I end up with 600 games. <laughs> um, no, I definitely agree. You can't just have emotional fan service. Um, basically, the equivalent, right, in a game. Yeah. And expect that to carry you across the finish line. If you're looking also, for any recommendations, please hit us up, though. There's mm-hmm. definitely ones on the list we have not covered that are just I mean, you, good experiences. And they're just yeah. good games as well. That's very true. Man, we put too many things on the list. We talk too much, I think. We just have ideas and feelings. What's this we shit? <laughs> I have ideas and they have feelings. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sad. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I kid, I kid. All right, well, uh, thank you guys for listening to the end and being our therapist uh, for this episode of Soapstone. As always, if you have emotional feedback, uh, you can send it in at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or join the group therapy at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Have a good night. Thank you.